Welcome to another edition of Contractors Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers just like you. This podcast series is a companion to the Contractors Corner column in the back of our print magazine and on our website, so make sure you look for our featured solar contractor in our issue. In this episode, we are talking with Blake Jones, co-founder and president of Boulder, Colorado-based Namaste Solar. Blake, thanks for joining us. Sure thing. Can you tell me the origins of uh, Namaste Solar, when it was founded, how many people were involved in the company, its beginnings, what your philosophy is? Sure. We, we started about eight years ago. Yeah, actually, exactly eight years ago, back in 2004. And there were three of us that co-founded it, and we were really really fortunate. We were lucky. We were all on the same page for the kind of company that we wanted to start together. All had the same values, the same um, vision for what we wanted to do. And some of those things, those main principles are that we knew we wanted to have an employee-owned company. We knew we wanted it to be democratically managed uh, on a one-person, one-vote basis. We knew that we wanted 100% transparency, so you know, to this day, everything, all the books are completely open. Everybody knows, knows each other's salaries. There are no secrets when it comes to company information. And we knew we wanted a, a relatively flat or egalitarian salary structure. So today, we have a four-to-one cap on the highest to lowest total pay. Uh, and then the last thing was we, we wanted to give back to the community. So uh, we give 20% of our after-tax profits to local Nonprofits in our community, and uh, those are some examples of, of the principles that the original three of us found to be, you know, of the utmost importance in starting our company, and they're still very important to us today. So, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with the Colorado solar industry, what's your service range? How many solar customers do you estimate are in that range, and how many of those are yours? Yeah, in Colorado, the renewable energy standard is 30% by 2020, and it has a 3% distributed generation carve-out, and that applies to the investor-owned utilities, and there are two of them, and they serve about 65% of Colorado's 5 to 6 million population. Excel Energy is the, the largest of the two investor-owned utilities, and that's where, uh, that's where the, the biggest solar PV market is. Hard to say exactly how many potential customers are out there, but since they launched their Solar Rewards Incentive Program, which is SREC-based, they've, I think there's been about 10,000, 11,000 solar projects that have been installed since 2006, and we've done over 2,000, perhaps up to 2,500 of those. And do you do uh, primarily residential? Do you do residential and commercial? What kinds of systems do you install? We, we like to do it all, and residential, commercial, uh, in nonprofit, government projects. But if you were to lump them into two approximate categories of you know, residential and commercial or uh, greater than 10 kilowatts or less than 10 kilowatts, something like that, we're, we're about 50-50. And uh, we, we expanded beyond Colorado's borders last year and it's still uh you know it's not it's a, a smaller percentage of our business but it's but it's growing and we're doing more and more work out of state what other states are you involved in in just about any state where we can find work so we have not expanded our residential operations outside of colorado 
but commercial work, consulting work, uh, we've done him east coast, west coast, southwest, southeast. Uh, we'll go just about anywhere. So how many employees do you have, and about how many have you added in the past three years? We are just over 100 people, and I'd say we added 40, 45 jobs in the past three years. What is the regulatory situation in Colorado? Did that have anything to do with, with allowing you to grow so quickly? Absolutely. The, the renewable energy standard with the DG carve-out, it actually started out as a solar carve-out, but then became a distributed generation or a DG carve-out. That, that is the, the main driving force behind the, the size of the Colorado market. And over the past six years, Colorado's PV market has been among the top five largest in the country. So usually California is number one, New Jersey number two. Uh, I think you know Arizona, Massachusetts up there now. Colorado has always been in the top five. Maybe we're in the in the top six for 2012. But it's it's as a result of the renewable energy standard and the incentive programs that utilities like Excel Energy created as a result of that RES. Uh, so that's that's been great. The the, the hard part is that. The market has responded uh, more than anybody anticipated to the incentive programs, and Excel Energy, the main investor-owned utility, has to you know, hit its RES goals by 2020. They're way ahead of schedule in doing that, so we're not sure what's going to happen after the end, after the beginning of, of next year. You know, we're kind of similar to how people are talking about the fiscal cliff right now. We're kind of calling it the Excel cliff or the incentive cliff. We're, we're not sure if there are going to be incentives available or if there's going to be a program, how much capacity is going to be available in it after spring of 2013. So we're really hoping that we can find a legislative fix to keep, you know, to increase the goals or to keep the, uh, the incentive program supporting a, a, a growing market. Is there a goal? I mean, do you have a bill already in the legislature, or how, how is that going to work? That's one of the strategies. And, and historically, the renewable energy standard started off as, I think it was 10% by 2015, and then we increased it to 15% by 2020, and then now it's 30% by 2020. The point is we've, we've, been, we've had to increase the renewable energy standard through legislative means multiple times in the past, and I think that's one of the, the main strategies we're hoping for. Uh, again, the Colorado legislative session is from January until May every year. So we're working right now with other industry stakeholders to try to figure out what is the best legislation to propose. But that's one way to do it. <clears throat> Another way to do it is through Public Utilities Commission, trying to interpret the, the laws, the, the existing legislation. Uh, there, there are multiple ways to interpret it, and therefore multiple ways to try to implement you know, to meet the renewable energy standard goals. And so there's, there's a lot of leeway there for how the incentive money should be spent or how to measure compliance and things like that. So I think the legislative arena, the regulatory arena at the Public Utilities Commission, those are, those are the two main ways. There are also some other things going on, like there are some municipal utilities like Fort Collins that are considering a feed-in tariff of, of their own. Uh, Boulder is considering municipalizing its utility. There are other smaller utilities where I think they're where we have hope for being actively involved to help them create new new PV markets. So what's the most important piece of technical advice that you would offer your, your peers that you've learned over the last eight years in the industry? I guess it's under the, the technical umbrella, but, but I think safety, the importance of safety. When 
we first started and the, and the industry was more, it was less mature, more in its infancy uh, back in 2004, 2005, you it didn't see very many safety practices and I would have liked for the solar industry to be further along than it is at this point in time and I'd really like to see all solar installation companies pursuing and achieving 100% OSHA compliance and I don't think that's the case in a lot of PV markets with a lot of installers that just safety is one of those things that's easy to easy to ignore it's easy to, to put off for another day but as our industry grows and we want to gain more respect and we want to uh, you know we've got more and more person hours up there you know in dangerous conditions with high voltage electricity up on rooftops uh, increases the chances that we could have some some bad accidents that could really set back the cause uh, you know the solar cause in general and would really like to see the industry as a whole step up its game and pursue better and better safety standards. What's the most important business lesson you've learned? Eight years is an old company in the solar industry, so you must be doing something right. What piece of advice can you impart to your colleagues about how to run their solar businesses? When we started the company, we were all first-time entrepreneurs, but we had a we had a hunch, we had a, an intuition that, that employee ownership and democratic workplace, that those were a better way to do business, basically. And we thought that they would give us a competitive advantage. And I think after eight years, our success and, and being number one uh, in Colorado, market share leader in Colorado, that we think that helps validate th- those business models. And you look at uh, you look at employee-owned companies in other industries, too, and they, they tend to outperform uh, the competition. But that I'd say that's one thing. We, we, we have learned that while, while there are pros and cons uh, and strengths and weaknesses to being an employee-owned company and to being uh, democratically managed, we think the pros far outweigh the cons and that it's a, it's a great way to, to do business. I think a, another interesting thing that we've learned about is just, is just fast growth. I think the, the market's been growing so fast, the industry's been growing so fast, a lot of solar companies like us have been having to deal with fast growth. And, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, are, are shooting for that. You know, that's their dream. They're like, hey, we want to grow really, really fast. I want to, I want to start a company and grow it really fast. But they're, they're very interesting pros and cons to growing really fast. It's, it's exhilarating. You learn a ton. It provides great professional development opportunities for everyone who's, uh, who's a part of the company. But it's also exhausting. It, uh, it requires a lot of capital. You have to raise a lot of money to, 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 to fuel that growth. And it can... Uh, it can postpone uh, dealing with with issues of you know how efficient are your operations, uh, things like that, or how, you know how, how profitable you're going to be. A lot of people say, "Oh, we're not profitable because we're growing so fast." It's been very, very interesting. When we started the company, we had not planned on growing as fast as we have, and it's been a it's been a fun ride to to learn about it. To, just, again, not saying it's good or bad, just saying it's a very interesting set of pros and cons associated with, with you know, doubling in size every year. So what's the thing you enjoy most about being in the solar industry? I really like being passionate about what I'm doing and, and why I'm doing it. And I love working with other people who who believe in solar and, and, and the benefits that it has for our planet as well. I, I think that's something very, very special. Uh, so you, you, you meet a lot of amazing people, uh, and the vast majority of us in the solar industry are not doing it just for a paycheck. We're doing it because we, we believe in it, and that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. What do you enjoy least about being in the solar industry? By, by far, it's our dependence on subsidies 
you know, I, I think it's a, it's a necessity given the unlevel playing field that's out there and, and the subsidies that are given to conventional energy industries. But it, it, it sucks to be dependent on subsidies. And I look forward to the day when unsubsidized solar can compete with subsidized conventional energy. That'll be, that'll be great to kind of shed the, the shackles of, of being so dependent on public policy and on uh, subsidies and incentives and things like that. Do you see that happening in the next five years? That was my next question, is where, where do you see the solar industry in five years? Are, are subsidies going to be gone by then? I think it's possible, yes, in five years, especially in places like Hawaii and California and Japan and Germany where electricity prices are high, or, or especially in Hawaii where electricity prices are high and uh, there's, so much, there's so much good solar resource. But I, I think it'll, it'll happen in, in different places at different times but I think it could happen in five years. It, it depends a lot on how quickly we can bring down the cost of solar. It depends on what's going to happen to the cost of, of conventional electricity. It depends on public policy. It depends on a lot of different variables, but I think it's absolutely possible. If people want to find out more about Namaste Solar, where would they find that information? Uh, best place is to go to our website, namastesolar.com, N-A-M-A-S-T-E-S-O-L-A-R, namastesolar.com. This has been the December edition of Contractor's Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers just like you. This podcast series is a companion to the Contractor's Corner column in the back of our print magazine and on our website. Thanks to Blake Jones, owner-president of Boulder, Colorado-based Namaste Solar, for taking time out of his schedule to talk to us. I'm Frank Andorka, editorial director of Solar Power World magazine. Stay sunny.